0: have a seat how are we doing today good. all right I think the most energetic yet we well, good you had more sleep than the rest of the gatherings we should be all right so um, we come here to the end of the matter the end of Ecclesiastes don't cry it's still in your Bibles you can read it anytime you want but for us it's it you know uh, a couple weeks ago actually I got an email from the person who, who coordinates uh, at the at, uh, um, Whitensville Christian School, right around the corner here, uh, for their middle school chapel. And they emailed me and they said, hey, Pastor Jamie, we've been looking at themes from Ecclesiastes. <laughs> I'm like, sixth or eighth grade, all right. And uh, I heard, thank you, Liz, um, that you've been preaching through Ecclesiastes. So would you come and share with our middle school some of the things you've been sharing with your church? And I thought, and then she said, and by the way, you have 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, I don't understand why you guys get that joke so quick. Like, it's just, um, so I, there's, there's a couple challenges there, right? Like, for, first of all, it's middle school. And um, middle schoolers here, you know, I love you. You know it. I love you. But you are the worst, right? You are the worst. <laughs> Um, and uh, that's why I love you. But I've been doing youth ministry or some parts of it for a long time, right? And I know while outside of in serious times, middle schoolers can be the best. But when you really want to get serious, they can be the worst. And so uh, then I'm thinking, Ecclesiastes, like what have we been talking the whole time, right? It's trying to get you to understand how quick life goes, right? When you're in sixth grade, like I remember being in sixth grade, I felt like life is just dragging, to be honest, right? And and yet that's what we got to try to get them them to see and, and so I, I, of course, said said yes. I'll, I'll come in, in, and do my best. Um, and and as I uh, came and, and I decided, because I saw she had laid out some of the themes they'd already talked about and, and and really good stuff, but I was like, my worry for these middle schoolers is that they're going to look at it in kind of categories and just say, okay, so I either get to choose fun and life and excitement and pleasure, or I got to choose God. And in and, and some respects, that's true, but... But that's not really what the preacher's saying. If you've been with us through this series, it's just the opposite, right? Is there's a lots in life to enjoy, there's lots in life to go after. But he's saying it's priorities, right? And so I used this illustration for him, and I hadn't used it for you, so I figured, you know, why, why waste it, right? Um, and, and, and so uh, I, I said, look, this is like your, your, your life, right? This is like your life. And when you, when you, when you realize how quick it is, you're going to start trying to, to, to satisfy your life somewhere. You're going to try to get contentment somewhere. You're going to try to pursue something, right? And when that is, all the preacher has all these categories, wisdom, knowledge, but the, probably the biggest one is pleasure or money or Or, 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 you know, honor or fame or whatever that that we, and and as you pour into that, you're like, that's what my night's going to be about, right? It's just like this, right? It's just like this. And you keep pouring and pouring and pouring, and it's empty, right? It's empty. And we talked about Mirage, which I've talked about with you, right? Like, like you, you see, it's like, oh, my life's going to be satisfying if I have that. And, I, and then I told them, just like I've been telling you, that like that's why you, you get so envious if I just was as good musically as her, if I was as good looking as him, if I was a good enough athlete like him, if I was in their family, if I had enough money to go to that college, if whatever it might be. And I told them, it doesn't stop when you're not a student anymore. Your parents and grandparents have the same problem, it's just different stuff. That we pour our life and say, oh, oh, right? And it's just a mirage. And so what I said was, it isn't that you don't have pleasure in life, it's just the secret, right, is God. So when you funnel everything through putting God first, again, you still have the good meal, the good, you know, go after that degree, you know, get paid that amount, whatever it is, but when you're like, yeah, 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 but God first, and everything gets funneled that way, right, then no matter what it is in life, you are satisfied, you're content. Because you now don't need the car that he has, the home that she has, the looks or the smarts, or the brains, or the experience. That because you have your creator. And so the end of the matter that the preacher, that's why I wanted to share that with you today. The end of the matter in chapter 12 is just that, is that you put God first. Remember, this is someone, the preacher, who's had everything life has to offer a million times more, and he comes to the end of the matter and says, none of it matters if you don't put God first. Let's pray. Lord, you are our creator, our designer. Each person, each person joining us online in this room is made in your image with just fearfully and wonderfully remind them of that, if nothing else, that they are loved by you, They are created uniquely by you. They do not need what others have. They need only you. Remind us of that today as we sink deep into your word and as we come to the end of the matter of this book, but really ultimately of the purpose of our lives. Lord, that's a big ask is show us the purpose of our lives, but I ask that of you today. It's in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, so we we, uh, are really just going to look at chapter 12, the last... Uh, chapter. So we'll put it on the screen, but if you do want to follow along, it's uh, chapter 12, verse 1. It's when we're going to start. Uh, you can use our pew Bibles. If you don't own a Bible, take that home, our gift to you. If you know someone who doesn't own a Bible, bring it home, give it to them. We'll restock it, right? Um, I do want to make you, as, you, as for those of you who want to turn there, I'll give you a, a, a second to do that. Uh, in April, probably after um, Easter, Easter's the 9th, it's the beginning of the month, um, we're going to do a believer's baptism, right? So if you've never seen that, that's when we fill this tank up back here. Yes, all the equipment, there's a tank, heated water, right? Um, and so if you've never, if you are a Christian, like you've given your life and faith to Jesus, but have never had that opportunity, I want to invite you to consider that. Um, and, and all it is is just identifying, right, your faith, with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And so now your old life of sin is dead and you've got new life in Christ. Um, so if you became a Christian today or 40 years ago, but have never had that opportunity, I just want to invite you, like, don't feel like, oh, well, my time has passed. No, it isn't, right? You have that opportunity. I've, I've baptized 90-plus-year-olds. I've it's like, it, it is always a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, it isn't, it is different from what might have happened to you as a, a, a child or a baby, right? And I'm not discounting that. I had one of those, but that was my parents' decision. If I didn't want it, too bad, right? I was a baby. Um, and that was really their faith. Uh, they wanted me to have faith. I'm sure it looks very differently than they were thinking. It always does. But uh, I, I'm glad they did. But then when I became a young adult and came to Christ, I had a believer's baptism. So I want to invite you to do that if you've never had the opportunity to join up with those who are already saying, yeah, I want to do that. Okay? just wanted to throw that in front of you. Consider it. Email me. Come see me after. Go through the next steps, whatever, uh, through our website, whatever is easiest for you. All right? Um, so as we, we come to the end of the matter, chapter 12, um, I'm going to spend a little time with the first word, and I don't want you to panic. I'm not going to spend the same amount of time with every word in chapter 12, all right? Um, but that word remember, I want you to see that. I have an underline on my notes, but uh, you don't, but I want you to just to kind of zero in on that. The end of the matter is what? Remember also your creator. Remember God. In what? In the days of your youth. So especially the younger you are. So middle school or uh, uh, beyond. Just the younger you are to do this, the better. Before what? The evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. A lot of Ecclesiastes, he talks about as you get older and what old age will bring. And, and he's gonna, we're going to see in a few minutes uh, a lot of metaphors kind of demonstrating as you get older. So he's like, if you're younger, it's even better to do what? Remember. Now that in, in Hebrew that we see in English is translated in English, remember. It's not like we just think like, oh man, I forgot. Now I remember, right? And how do we know that? Well, we know in the Old Testament there's several places where it's, that word is attached to God. And I don't think God is going, oh no, Joey prayed about that, that test that I forgot. I just remembered, poor Joey. That's not God, right? God doesn't forget stuff, right? So um, it means something far more uh just, just has a much richer meaning than just I forgot, now I remember. It means when you have someone that you have an affection for, a loyalty, you care about them in some way, and you remember them, you are, hear me, called into action on behalf of that person. right? So when um, they, they uh, for instance, the, the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt and they cried out just in pain, and it says God remembered his people. He hadn't forgotten them, but he's about to save them, deliver them, right? When Hannah uh, uh, wept before God because she was barren, and he remembered Hannah and gave her a child named Samuel. He remembered Hannah. He didn't forget Hannah. He just suddenly took action upon someone he loves. Like I would even say this, that when you were at your worst and most sinful, desperate state, Literally, the Bible says, an enemy of God, God remembered you and sent his son Jesus to die for you. He took action on you because he loves you, right? So, if you take that definition into what the preacher's saying, you put it in our lives, same thing. It means to someone in some way you have affection for, you're moved into action. If you remember someone on their birthday, right? You didn't just, I mean, it's not saying you're like, oh man, I forgot it was your birthday. Now I remember. That's not what it means, right? It means you celebrate it in some way. You take action. Maybe it's, you know, depending on your relationship with the person. Maybe you post something online. Or maybe you send them a card. Or you buy them flowers. Or you bring them out to dinner. Or you get them a gift. It all kind of depends. But you're moved to action to remember. My birthday this year is actually on Easter. So a lot of you will be seeing me. I'll tell you what I tell my kids since they were babies. Store-bought gifts only. All right, I don't do the homemade stuff. I'm kidding. Gosh, kind of. I take gift cards too. Don't worry, I take that too. Um, so, so right, like, like you, you, you remember. So you're, you're like, oh, I want to do this because I, I care, right? Not, not for for some. So what he's saying is, the end of uh, of the matter here is to remember also your Creator, remember your God. So think of it that way. It's not uh, just I forgot about God, right? I better go to church. It's that you are moved into action because of your affection for your creator. The more you are stirred up and realize what he's done for you, how he's designed you, how he's made you, what he's done, you are stirred up to remember your creator and take action on his behalf. And so I ask you, what is God stirring in you to remember him right now? I want to fly the plane as low as we can into your life. Right? Like, like, don't just think of this as like a big concept. i got to remember God. No, no, no. It's like in your context, your gifts, your abilities. You, and, I don't, and, and remember, the younger you are, the more you need to listen to this. Because he says, in the days of your youth, the sooner you say, I want to remember God in my school, in my classroom, in my, on my campus, in my job, in my family, in my marriage, in my ministry, with my neighbors. Right? Remember, how, what is he calling you to do? Maybe it is to be baptized. That's a beautiful way to remember your creator, right? Maybe it is to to join that ministry team you've been avoiding, even though God keeps going, come on, come on, it's for you. Maybe it's to make that meal for that person or to share Christ with your neighbor or to, to you know, it's it's uniquely you. That's what's great about the faith in Christ. It's, it's not a professional on a platform, while all you guys just cheer me on. That's not what it is, right? It's all of us, right, have this opportunity and giftedness to remember him. What is he calling you to do? That's the question. What is he calling you to do? Um, and, 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 and all of us who know him are called. And it's not to, to like, say, I got to earn something with God. I got I to gotta make him stop frowning so I'm going to join a ministry team. I'm going to go to church so God will stop tapping his toe and glaring at me. Or I've messed up. I that's not what it is. It's because you love him. He loved you first, and so you remember him. That's, that's the best ministry will always come out of your affection for who God is and what he's done. And so he gives us these, he's going to give us these metaphors. I'm going to go through them kind of quickly. Some we understand better than others. But they're all beautiful metaphors of sort of facing the end of life, right? Facing the end. He says, before the sun, so when you're young, before the sun and the light and the moon, and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain. That's a description in their context, uh, in their culture of um, winter, winter. It's so the winter of your life before it comes, right? In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed. It's a, it's a once glorious house and it's now coming to an end, getting older. And the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and when rises up, the sound of a bird and all the daughters of the song are brought low. They're afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. It's like a funeral, right? before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern so before your end comes right and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it and there it is vanity of vanities says the preacher all is vanity he, he he started this book with that didn't he all is vanity I actually was like, well, i got to have our our Hebel machine, for those of you who have seen this. And it uh, it worked well last night, but um, I I wanted to heat it up, so I turned it on before the 9 o'clock, and I forgot to turn it off. And so when I came over to be all dramatic, I realized it was empty. Um, And so I could have fixed it for this, but I love how God does that. It worked out better. Because what I said then, and I'll say to you now, is it was like that. And if you've seen this, steam was pouring out, right? But where is it now? Right? It's somewhere out there. It, it was, it was gone, right? And that's what he's saying when he says in the ESV vanity, or if you read the NIV, meaningless. It's, it's not meaningless. It's not empty. It's fast. It's like steam, vapor, mist. It's, pew. it's like I said to our middle schoolers, I was like, think about it. When you can see your breath, right? Like, like that, that's not meaningless. You'd be dead without that breath, it's meaningful, but it's fast. And it disappears. And, and, and it's not able to be grasped. He says, just face it. That's life. If you can just face that, not in a depressing way, I may as well give up. It's all. No, it's that, it's that this life is so fast, so he says, right, remember God while you can. While you're still able, remember God. Seek God while you can. And, and and he And he kind of gives all those illustrations as you get older as you start to face the grave right the the final problem, the end right and and some of you are closer to that than others right and 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 the closer you are, the more you think about these things that's why he says, the younger you are, I want you to think about these things. I had that uh played out for me uh this past week because i uh Uh, If you were with us last last Sunday, last Saturday, Sunday, I I said how this summer I was going to be on a sabbatical. And I had all kinds of things, like, worried about how people might take that, right? Preparing for that. There was one thing I heard consistently by three or four different older people that I had never dreamed would be an issue. And it was, what if I die while you're on sabbatical? Who's going to do my funeral? I was like, A, don't die, all right? Can you at least do that for me, right? Because we're not talking about people on their deathbed, right? We're just talking about people that are a little bit older. And so, like, none of our teenagers were thinking, what if I die while well, Pastor Jamie, right? I'm glad. But they're not thinking that way because they're far from that. But, but the older you are, the more you, you, you think like that. And so what he's trying to get you to do, regardless of where you're at, but the younger you are, the more this applies But even if you're not, you're one of those that did think that, like, "Eh, who knows how much longer I have. You still are breathing. You still have that vapor. You still have time. Even if you can't do and remember your God the way you used to, you still can. I've told you this story before, and some of you have to go way back to remember Avis Williams. But Avis was a decade's servant in, in this church of God, always a prayer warrior. And early, early, first few years of my ministry, she lived to be 99. She was in a nursing home. She'd forgotten almost everybody. Certainly didn't know who I was. And she once did, right, but she didn't know. But I, would, I visited her, and I remember one day visiting her, and, and she was telling me all the people she was praying for. And I thought it was really special. But then she pointedly looked at me, and she goes, you know, I pray every day for that new young pastor at the church. She had no idea she was talking to him. And I didn't tell her, right? I just sat there and my whole gospel tank got filled, right? Like if Avis is praying for me, ain't nothing going to go bad, right? Because, because she, in her, in her uh, state where she couldn't remember anybody, she was in a nursing home, she couldn't physically even take care of herself anymore, did she have purpose? Oh, you bet she did. She prayed. And there's times when people get to that age, they'll ask me, why does God still have me here? And I'll say, well, I don't necessarily know, but you can pray. You can encourage someone, you can write a card, you can write, you can keep going. So I'm just encouraging you to keep going. Remember God while you can. But if you're younger, the more, all the more seek God while you can. Don't wait till you're at a nursing home. Avis did that because she'd been doing it all along. And she just kept going. And so the younger you are, the better this is to seek him first. Because your life is hebel. It's hebel. All is hebel. So we come to the close of the preacher's point, the end of the matter. He says in verses 9 and 10, Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. Truth. How do we know it's words of truth? And by the way, remember if you were with us the first week, I said there's kind of two guys here, right? There's the narrator and then there's the preacher, the Koheleth. And so this kind of goes back to the narrator saying, kind of stepping back into the story and saying that Koheleth uh, always sought to give us truth. He did it in a delightful way, in a poetic way, but the idea was truth. But the real question is, why and where does that truth come from? He says, the words of the wise are like goads, goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd, not Koheleth, not the preacher. Just like right now, here as, we, as you sit, right, is, is, is not my truth, the shepherd's truth. It's the shepherd's truth, right? And he says that, that when you when so when the end of the matter is to seek God, you want to be goaded. And I just kept seeing that word and looking at it this week and be like, goaded. I think I know what that means, like to be goaded, like into something. But then I just like I did a little research and I'm like, oh, that's actually like a an instrument they'll use for animals to get them to go the direction they want them to go in, right? And so we have a resident uh, big animal expert, Scott Brundage. And I immediately messaged him and said, hey, Scott, um, do goads still exist? And if so, do you have one? The next day, he was in the church. Some of you saw this in my office. We're like, what is going on with Pastor Jamie, right? Modern goad, right? And um, um, I don't know. It's like kind of weird. It looks like a giant Harry Potter wand or something. But it's it's, it's an actual goad that he uses. And he gave me a whole lesson on how it's made uh, from a white oak and the flexibility it needs to have, all this, right? But I said, well, tell me what you do with it, right? So when he's in, he uses it for oxen, so large animals. And he's like, well, by the time we get to the show, people will be like, you know, people are are, are like, are you hurting that animal? Are you hitting it? He's like, I never hurt the animal. It's training, right? So he would trains the oxen, right? So certain ways he does this, they know, go right, go left, go forward, come back. He said, they hate coming back. But certain, right, and he goads them to go, a much bigger animal than he is, right, to go where he wants them to go. And and, and so that's what a goat is. Now, in, in their culture, and he actually told me today, yeah, well, some people still do use nails. It's kind of frowned upon because it can hurt the animal. But it, it wasn't if you're a true shepherd, you're not trying to cause undue suffering to the animal. But sometimes to go the way you need to go, it needs to hurt a little. Can I hear an amen, anyone here? Sometimes it needs to hurt. And so what he's saying is to collect the sayings, the truth, right, which for us is the word of God. This is, when we're seeking God first, this is our goad. Ecclesiastes, yes, but all the rest of it too. right? Paul uh, said to Timothy that the word of God is for to be rebuked. You love being rebuked? Just love it, right? or corrected or training in righteousness which always hurts. So there's times it hurts but in a good way because because when you're goaded by the shepherd it's to go where he wants you to go. That's seeking God first. You see because we we we're, we're constantly being dragged back to no 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 if 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 I can just get that 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 promotion, if I can just get married, if I can just get more money, if I can just have that vacation and it's a mirage. She says no 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 no. No, 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 go, go this way. No, no, go this way. And I know, like, like there's some, like, maybe, maybe it's you. You're like, oh, I'm not goaded by anyone. How silly and naive. You're being goaded all day by someone or something. You just watch an ad. It's goading you. Like, like they spend millions for Super Bowl ads. Do You think they do that for fun? No, they're goading you into either thinking a certain way or buying a certain product. That's the goal. You're constantly immersed in culture that's trying to, to it's just constantly saying, if 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 you really want to be happy and satisfied, you need more, right? More sex, more relationships, more money, more this, more that, you'll be satisfied and pew, hebel. It's a mirage. Whereas the shepherd, that's what the preacher's saying, the shepherd says, go my way. It's gonna hurt a little bit at times, but I know, I know the right way for you. Go my way go my way so he 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 gets to the end of the matter by saying my son beware of anything beyond these of making many books there is no end and how many students can say amen at this one and much study is weariness of the flesh see there's something for everyone in the book right the end of the matter all has been heard right okay with 12 chapters What's the point? What do I write down? What's the cliff notes? Do they still have those? Whatever they got now. uh, Monarchs or whatever they have. Wikipedia is probably what you use. Uh, Just get to the point. He says, here it is. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's it, Jamie. We could have sang that in a song and gone home, right? For this is the whole duty of man. Now, this is important in your Hebel life to remember. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Because remember, in the Hebel life, so many things seem puzzling. Why does God let that happen? Why is that happening? It seems like that person never gets caught. Why? And he's saying, trust God. Everything in its time comes into judgment. Not your time, your Hebel. Right? Of course it's not going to be in your time. You're here and it's in God's time and his eternal plan. Your job is not to figure out the world. Your job is not to answer every question Your job is to fear and trust God, be goaded by his commandments, his word, and just seek him first. Simplify it. I don't know. Someone says, well, if there's a God, blah, 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 just be like, I don't know. Why don't you know? Because I'm not him. Well, why do you trust him? Who else am I going to trust? You? Oh, don't say that. That's mean. Don't say that. Don't say that. Not in my notes, right? But, but... Here's, here's my worry, right? Like, is, is it some of you, um, and, and maybe it's not you, but maybe it is, like, because like, you get to a certain point where you're just so hard-hearted, you don't want to hear it anymore. And, and, and yet, that doesn't usually happen overnight. So some of you might be kind of in the middle of that road because you're here right now, so that's a good thing. But, but here's some, some uh, 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 measuring sticks to, to say, and this is hard. It's hard to hear this. But if, if, if you right now, are let's say you, and I'm not saying you're new to this is you if you're new to church, but let's say you used to be passionate, you never missed, you loved being in worship, but now you're finding lots of reasons not to be. Let's say you used to pick up God's word a lot more than you do now. Your prayer life, a lot, it's pretty hollow right now. It's pretty, pretty stagnant, right? And here's one of the big ones. This is a huge one. That you have found yourself gravitating towards listening to voices of people who do not know the Lord, and you should have those people in your life. How are you going to reach them if you don't? I'm not saying that. I'm saying you're you're, you're surrounding yourself more with that than more with this because you want to. So like part of you wants to be goaded towards this this mirage, and I just want to plead with you to don't let that happen to you. Go back to the truth. Go back. Confess it. Say, God, you're enough. I need to seek you first. I don't understand why I'm feeling this pain. I don't. I I don't. And give it to him again. And seek him first. Right? Seek him first and trust that everything, every deed will eventually be revealed in his plan and in his timing. Or you can keep stacking your word or the word of your buddy against God. I wouldn't do it. That's the whole idea of Hebel. Like, who am I to stand up to God and say, God, my truth is truer than yours. It's ridiculous. It's like going to a college class where someone has seven degrees in physics. And I don't even know if there's that many. But if they did, and you were to say, I read a book, man. I think I know more than you. The whole class would laugh at you. Imagine going up to God and saying, I understand life better than you. But that's what the preacher is trying to caution us against. The mirage of that. Right, that that the the idea is the end of the matter is God, first. You know, as I was um um kind of working on this part of the the message, uh, I got a picture sent to me and a couple other people from Lauren, our director of children's ministries. Just an old picture that was in her in her phone phone uh, a number of years ago at Awana. And some of those, if you go way back, the faces will look familiar. And she especially sent it because right in the middle is our office manager, Juliet. (laughs) She was on the screen last year. I mean, last week, I should say. Two weeks in a row. Um, I'm sure she's really happy about that. Uh, But uh, she just thought that was really cool. It kind of shows when she was there. But it also shows some other kids. Kira is a little girl, right? But I looked at it, and I saw Kelly. If you guys remember Kelly, she's in the back left. Kelly Toner, she had MS. um, And she would come to church and she got worse and worse, but, but she, she was here whenever she possibly could be, and she came Wednesday nights whenever she possibly could to serve those kids. And she's been gone with the Lord for a long time now. And it's, like, it's not like I forgot about Kelly. I think of her sometimes, but I saw that picture. I'm like, the, I think I've forgotten more people than I remember now. I've been doing this. And imagine when I'm like 70, how this is going to feel. And, and I thought, and oh, and, and Lauren pointed out, in the back on the bench, Russ Williams, Avis's son, if you guys remember Russ, always on that bench, ready to tell you about the world. He's with the Lord too now. And so I said, it's Hebel, right? When I see this, it's like, it brings you back. And you ask the question, is it worth it? Was this night worth it? What Kelly did, even in her pain and suffering, and God's answer is yes. Even if you serve him and no one else knows, even if you put him first and no one else knows. He knows. He knows, and he will bless you, and he will. He, he is pleased when you remember him, especially in the days of your youth, when you do that thing that nobody else saw. Maybe you saw no fruit of it. I am, I am confident when we are in eternity together, you will see much more clearly the impact you have had for the kingdom. And so I just, when I think of this and I, I think of you, I just want to tell you don't give up. If you're weary, if you're like, I don't know what's the point, maybe it is easier to just party and forget about it, don't give up. Seek God first. And if you have given up, get back in the fight. Get up. There's no process. You don't got to go to a class. You don't got to do penance. Get up. Get back in. It's worth it. It's worth it. Seek God first with everything you have don't stop. And so we close the series this way, the same way we close every series, I think. But I thought about being goaded by the shepherd. And I thought about the shepherd. It's not Koheleth. It's not Jamie. The shepherd is the Lord. And I thought about how in in John chapter 10, Jesus himself said, I, Jesus, I am the shepherd. Ecclesiastes pointing to this shepherd, and Jesus says, yeah, that shepherd, it's me. And guess what? I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good. How do you know you could trust the voice of Christ? Well, he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, when the wolves come, I'm out of here. I'm just getting money. But when it's your sheep, right, He, he said, no, 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 no. That, that wolf of sin, that wolf of shame, that wolf of all that, right? It came, and Jesus stood between you and it on the cross. He died in your place, and he says, I'm the good shepherd. I love you so much that I took it all for you so that you might go right from death to life. And, and so the good shepherd, right, he says, he says that, 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 that I, I am the good shepherd who laid down his life for you so you can, you can trust me. Later on in the same uh, passage, he says this, and I have other sheep, he's talking about Gentiles there, thank God, because I'm one of those, that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. And so even when you're confused and in pain, and don't understand, and you're puzzled by this Hebel life, you can listen to the voice of Christ. You can trust Him. You can trust Him. Anyone else die for you? Anyone else give you eternity when you deserve death? No, only Him. You can trust Him that I think the end of the matter is that. Trust the shepherd. Specifically, trust the good shepherd. There's lots of voices in this world competing for you. Isn't there? Lots of them go this way. This is the way to happiness. This is it. Mirage. Solomon, who tried it all far more than we ever could, says, Hebel, trust God first. Jesus said all these things will be added to you then. Keeps life far more simpler when you just say, well, I'm going to trust God today. Come what may, I'm trusting God. And so have you trusted the good shepherd? I mean, really put your faith in the Christ who died for you. There's no magic prayer. There's no symbols. There's no, it's just not even, not even the baptism. Baptism's after. That just symbolizes it. It is by believing. By saying, I'm, I'm sick of believing in this world. It's a mirage. I believe you, Jesus. I'm puzzled. I got doubts. I got fears. But I'm laying my yes of faith down. When you do that, he gives you his spirit, and you, get, you go from death to life. Does it seem simple? Well, for you, it is. It just wasn't very simple for him. He laid his life down for you. Have you trusted him? And if you have, are you listening to his voice right now? Or are you listening to all the other clamoring voices around you? Do you need to clearly, clearly hear the voice of your shepherd? He is good. That's what I'm going to pray for you. I hope you'll pray for one another and for me, that will only hear the voice of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray you would open the eyes of those who came in with unbelief. Lord, maybe they're weary. I know they are. Especially the older they are, the more they've trusted in this world and thinking money and comfort and pleasure and vacations and weekends and stuff is going to do it and it's not and never does. I know it isn't. I pray you'd show that to them clearly. Show them that you, Jesus, are the good shepherd. You're where life is found. It's not a myth. It's truth. Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes of faith. They would just simply say yes to you this morning. That they do not need to fear death. For you've given life and you've conquered the grave. You have conquered the grave, not just for you, but for us. Lord, I pray for anyone here who's on the road to hard-heartedness. They're in pain, they're confused, life has hit them. The voice of the enemy is strong. I ask, oh Lord, to cover them with your grace. Cover them with your mercy. Even right now, they'd feel warmed by the love of their creator. Lord, I pray that we go back to your truth, goaded by your word. That we'd hear your voice. All other voices of this world would just fall down at yours. You are our good shepherd. I pray that whatever um, pain is in this room, that they would just simply, even in that pain, say, I seek God first. Spirit of the living God, give us the strength, give us the sustaining ability to keep going, to keep serving, to keep worshiping, to keep obeying. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can sit or stand or kneel or whatever you'd like, but let's worship together.